You're listening to episode 86 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara, joined by special guest Nathan Beliva, and the Cardinals are in quarantine, but will they get free in time to play the Cubs? Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show, and we are Well, what should have been a couple of weeks now into baseball season. Instead, if you're a Cardinals fan, which presumably you are listening to this show, we got five whole games before all hell broke loose. And as we watched what was happening in Miami, we got to begin experiencing it with the St. Louis Cardinals and all the drama that has surrounded the last handful of days after the Cardinals left that terrible series, two-game series with the Twins, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. I am, well, I would be flying solo because Alex is out this week, except for the fact that I was able to snag a guest last minute because I'm the worst and forgot to even think about it until later on today, but Nathan Beliva, who has been with the Peoria Chiefs for what seems like forever, is hanging out with me tonight, and we are going to talk through the week that was and what may come in the next few days, hoping that the Cardinals get back to playing on the field and all of that. Uh, Nathan, it's been a while. Normally, I've seen you a number of times at a baseball field by this point in the summer. That hasn't happened. So, how are you, my friend? Yeah, it's uh, it's good to talk to you. But I I know usually we we cross paths in Quad Cities and Peoria and uh, maybe somewhere else in between, depending on uh, on schedules. So, um, yeah, it, it's been obviously a frustrating summer for for most people, um, especially for all of us who work in the sports industry. Um, and, and double so for those of us who work in in minor league baseball that have uh, no season. And uh, you know, depending on what happens with the major league baseball minor league baseball negotiations that, uh, you know, this week, I know they, they changed some people that are on that committee and I don't know if that means they're starting over or what they're doing, but we'll all find that out together at some point. And, uh, hopefully we'll get uh, a schedule. Usually by now we've got the next year's schedule and we're getting ready yeah. to, uh, you know, start building promotions and renewing season tickets and, um, you know, giving out a magnet schedule on fan appreciation night, but there's no schedule for next year. And, um, you know, and until we get that, that's gotta be the next step for, for, for most, if not all, minor league teams, some some have been fortunate to have some collegiate ball games at their ballpark or in the in in our league, uh, both South Bend and um, also Appleton are the alternate sites for the the Cubs and Brewers, respectively. Uh, Springfield Cardinals are for for St. Louis, of course. Um, so there's some minor league teams that are that are getting to use their facilities in that way. Um, there are some that are hosting Northwoods League games or um, you know other collegiate summer league games and, and those kinds of things. Uh, so that's keeping them busy. But for the rest of us, it's just, um, you know, we got to get next year's schedule, get that agreement done, and, and then we can go from there. If you are like me and to some degree, Alex, we spent the first, I don't know, three months of this mess trying to figure out what to do with all the time we had on our hands. And I just have to say, before I ask you what you've found to keep yourself busy, months ago at this point, I had told Alex I discovered this acrylic pour painting technique that I had watched hours and hours of video on YouTube, convinced that I was going to, you know, eventually try it for myself. It took, 
I don't know, two and a half months after that, but I have actually attempted it now. And my condo is covered in canvases that I've been painting the last few days. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And I don't know who wants them (laughs) all, but they're cool. And I have had more fun in the last two days being busy with something that does nothing to do with baseball than I probably have in three months trying to figure out what to do with myself. So the moral of the story is it is never too late to do the thing that you said you were going to do two and a half months ago. Nathan, what have you been doing to stay busy with all of this free time, which you'd never have in the summer? When's the last time you had time in the summer? Last time I had time in the summer was 2001. Um, when I was I was living in my parents' house, um, having graduated from Marquette, trying to figure out what I was going to do, um, <laughs> working at my, the engineering firm that employed my father, and uh, delivering pizzas. And then I ended up going to grad school in, uh, in Florida in, in August of 01. So that's the last summer I didn't have that I had days off and I didn't have uh, baseball every <laughs> single day. Um, it, it's been um, – it's been super boring. Um, I, I think I've watched just about everything on Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime. The the good thing for me was I, I am a huge soccer fan. Um, mm. So the the month to six weeks where all of the European leagues were playing, and, and for the most part, somebody would kick off at somewhere between noon and two o'clock on just about every day of the week between ESPN, NBC Sportsnet, uh, or, or online watching, you could get England, uh, Germany, Italian, or, or Spanish soccer games. And, and that really kept me sane. Um, <laughs> I, I, would, I would go sit out. I've got a TV in the garage. I would go sit out there and, and turn the TV on and, and just kind of chill out out there and watch a couple games a day. So that that's really helped. I, I dusted off my own blog, which I hadn't written on um, since covering the Bettendorf High School football team in Iowa back in the 2016 season um, was the last time I had written on that blog. So I dusted that off. I, I did a couple uh, Chiefs-related blogs, especially when summer camp opened. Um, but I started, do, I started going back through my old um, box scores and tickets of games I attended as a, as a fan. Uh, all the way back, starting when I was five in 1983, and I just, I went and found the box scores of all those games online and just write about them. Like, hey, I went to this game with my mom and dad. Or I went to this game with my aunt and uncle in St. Louis, and uh, I saw Johnny Bench in this game or whoever it might be. And I've, I've gotten to, I think, 13 now that I've done on those um, that, that I've written on. And then the other thing I've been doing is just going on Instagram and, and taking – all the cool things that I have from the sports world um, that I've been fortunate enough to collect uh, in my, my 18 years with the chiefs and in other places and kind of displaying them and telling stories about them. It might be an autographed baseball, might be an autographed photo. It might just be a photo. Like yesterday was a photo of me and Sergeant slaughter from the WWE. Cause we had him <laughs> in a chiefs game a couple of years ago. You know um, it's not all stuff that's signed by, you know, Ryan Sandberg or Yachty or Molina or people that we've had as players and managers. It's people we've had around the ballpark, Sean Livingston, who's from Peoria, um, you know, people from Bradley, stuff like that. And and just kind of showing those off and, and telling stories. They usually last about two to three minutes, seem to get some pretty good um, responses on Instagram. So those are kind of some of the things I've been doing, uh, you know, and, and just – trying to go for a walk every once in a while and, and get out of the house. You can always sit in the house so long, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's been tough. It's not been fun, but it's, uh, you know, unfortunately it's what we, what we've got to do right now. Yeah. 
the minor leagues are especially great for that sort of collection yeah. to to yeah. accrue over the years. You look back and go, why did I end up end up with this thing? Or, I, or why was this guy there or whatever? The minor leagues are great for that. I've done that a few times in the last two weeks, like trying to figure out like, <laughs> wait, where did I, wh- where did this picture come from? Or who signed this ball? I figured out one was Andrew Kastner and I was like, Ah. Like he didn't play for us. He must have been on a caravan or something. I I have no idea. Um, like how I got that or where it came from. You know, we had a lot of rehabs. A lot of my a lot of my stuff is still at the ballpark too. Either hanging on the walls in my office or uh, most of my bobbleheads are there. Uh, so, some of the the signed uh, balls or cards. So some of that stuff's there. I'm, it, when I run out of things in my house, I might have to go uh, make a run by the ballpark and pick some of that stuff up. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're going to need some some more things before yeah. you end up back in that office calling <laughs> yeah, games. <laughs> unfortunately, I think I am. <laughs> well, you mentioned going to games and, and looking back on those experiences. Obviously, no one's going to games right now. Before we dive into the mess with the Cardinals, what have you thought about the first couple of weeks of baseball with no fans and with the uh, virtual fans or the cardboard cutouts or the crowd noise, how they're trying to make baseball at least feel a little bit like baseball, even without people in the stands? I- I hate the virtual fans. They're so um, bad. They're so bad. It's <laughs> creepy. I like the cardboard cutouts. I think that's okay. fun. Right. Uh, I especially like the teams that are um, putting either you know celebrities or local celebrities or um, those kinds of people on on the cardboard cutouts. I also like. I know I saw. Pittsburgh had done this. I think that uh, San Francisco may have as well. Um, but if a foul ball or a home run ball hits your cardboard cutout, they mail it to you, uh, nice. which I think is really cool. Um, I know I saw the Pirates had done that on on Twitter and uh, you know stuff like that. I, I think that's that's good fan uh, good goodwill towards fans, and, and it's just a a cool thing to do with this. Um, as an announcer, I, I really feel the pain of of the announcers right now because it, it can sound really awkward when there's no fan, when there's no crowd noise. I think it was, uh, I, I've heard some home run calls where normally it wouldn't sound like the play by play announcer is screaming at us because you'd have all the crowd noise uh, going nuts when, you know, Aaron judge launches the ball 500 feet or whatever it might be. But since there's no crowd there, it sounds really, really loud. <laughs> and it, it's like the announcer screaming at us. Um, it's also difficult and I've talked to a few people that have, that have been doing these um, these types of broadcasts so far to, to ask just questions about it and and find out how hard it is when they're not in the same spot. It, it's not as bad for the Cardinals broadcast because um, well they we've we've seen them at home where they're in the booth and they're they're right next to each other or six feet apart or whatever they might be um, or they're in the same studio. But like you watch it on on ESPN and when they do a two person it's not as bad. You know, I, I know A-Rod and Matt Vescursion were in the same studio when they did the Sunday night game. But like like right now, the game that, that's on, John Shiambi is, it looks like, in Bristol and Chipper Jones is in his house. So yeah. you can't really do eye contact or give somebody a thumbs up or tell them to stop talking or whatever it might be. And, and I know they miss – they've not these two specifically, but others have missed a home run call or missed a play because of that, because one person's telling a story and it's really awkward when it's a three person booth and they're in yep. three different <laughs> spots because then the play by play person stops talking and both analysts go to fill that void at the same time yeah. and they talk <laughs> over each other. So as an announcer, 
I feel that pain. I know how awkward it sounds to the regular people. You and I have a little bit more of the inside baseball and behind, behind the scenes of sports to know how that stuff can work. But, you know, I, I know it's awkward just for the regular sports fan too. So I kind of feel the pain of those announcers as they're doing it. So that's been tough to watch and tough to get used to, especially when you see other sports like basketball where – both announcers are there at the bubble in Orlando or with the MLS, both announcers are in the stu- same studio in Bristol or in Los Angeles for the Fox games. So like with, with some of those, they do it differently, but baseball's got so many different announcers and so many different teams from different spots. They can't just have a Chipper Jones or a Rick Sutcliffe or whoever come spend the next two months in Bristol right. <laughs> um, and, and sit six feet apart from their, their, their partner. So, you know, that, that makes it difficult to do and, and kind of, it makes it a unique watch, but I really hope that we just have to do it for the next two months and then we can get back to yeah. a, a normal watching experience. Yeah, it's they're making it work, but I definitely miss the the normal when you're watching a game and even listening to it. The the fake crowd noise isn't really that noticeable until something dramatic happens, right. and then you're like, oh, oh, there it is. That's not how people would be reacting. Right. It, it, it was that way in soccer too. You'd see somebody get a card, and there'd be like no booze, and it was like, uh, <laughs> they're they're cheering. Their own player just got a yellow card. Um, the, yeah, that's the, not the right reaction. The other thing that's unique, and I'm not sure that everybody you know knows it, but the, they're doing with they call a, a world feed right now. So yeah. both teams, so say the Cardinals are playing the Brewers like they would have been last weekend, both broadcasts are getting the exact same footage. So it's not like it normally is to where if if Dan and, and um, you know Dan and, and Rick Horton are talking about Paul DeYoung, then if it's the camera, the Cardinals producer and camera crew, they can go zoom in on Paul DeYoung. But if they're using the exact same shots that the Brewers announcers are using, they can't do that because you don't know what the Brewers announcers are talking about. And there's just one set of cameras going out to both people. Now that cuts down the amount of people that are in the ballpark. It also cuts down on the amount of money that's being spent on on such production, um, which is not good for you and I and people in in the TV business. (laughs) Um, You know, but hopefully this is not something that will move forward. It's something they've done in soccer for a long time or, uh, you know, track and field and in those types of, of uh, international sports. Um, but for the NFL and, and NBA and, and baseball, not things that, that we're used to and seeing. So they can't really talk specifically about those things because they have no control over where the camera is going to go next, um, you know, and, and those kinds of things. So from a, a technical standpoint, from a TV person, that's a little different to see and get used to as well. Yeah, it's been an interesting experience to watch. And I know, like you said, you and I both have enough connections, even though we're not getting that work, uh, that uh, that we've we've heard a little bit. We've heard some of the stories of, of how things are going so far, but... That's when you're actually allowed to play baseball. Yes. (laughs) Um, The Cardinals have not had that experience for about a week. And boy, has it been a mess. I think when the outbreak happened with the Marlins, everyone kind of went, oh, well, look at those guys. Yeah, right. And (laughs) then all of a sudden, you know, it happens in the Central. And I have to admit, I've had a hard time watching a lot of the reaction which I'm sure is how a lot of Marlins fans felt as well, in that there were people saying, oh, of course it's the Cardinals. Of course they did that. It's so-and-so. I bet it's this player. It has to be that guy. And whatever it is, the rumor mill spiked up immediately. 
And quite honestly, some of those stories still haven't died, even though they have been refuted. Well, yeah, not, multiple only, times. not only refuted, but proven wrong and shown the the name, the you know, the word, why the word casino screwed everything up. Like that part's right. been shown over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I, I guess I was hoping, you know, maybe today with the names that came out, not matching the names of, of Instagram photos that that might <laughs> kill everything. But of course not. It still hasn't because everybody who's not a Cardinal fan loves to hate the Cardinals. Just like if this was the Yankees and it would, or, you know, right now, maybe if this was the Astros, everybody else would be piling on. It's like, they can't wait to pile on the Cardinals. So everybody's just like, Oh yeah, of course that's what they said. Instead of, you know, going with the actual uh, truth and facts of, of things. So who, who uh, needs facts no, in life? Oh, yeah, right. Over- no, that's, that's yeah. so, that's so uh, 1990s, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you've been living under a rock for the last seven days, <laughs> let me just quickly catch you up to speed. Wednesday, a player who has not been identified specifically tested positive. They did not get that result till late Thursday night, I believe. And that canceled the first game of the series that was supposed to take place in Milwaukee as they then went into uh, recovery mode in trying to sort out who may have been exposed, if they were infected, how many guys were going to test positive, who they had to send home, all of that drama. Simultaneously, on that same Wednesday where this eventual positive test was taken, a bunch of bloggers had a Zoom meeting with John Mozeliak, as is the way of the world these days, and spent 45 minutes talking to him about their protocols, about their plans, about how what had happened in Miami was his biggest nightmare. And they really felt like they were doing everything in their power to prevent something like this from happening. Oh, the timing. Right. <laughs> because less than... 48 hours later, the Cardinals were right in that same mix. And I bring that up simply to say, we spent 45 minutes with John Mozeliak that day talking about all the things they had put in place to proactively try to prevent an outbreak. And it still happened. So whatever the original source was, which now, if you think about the timing and based on their contact tracing that they have done over the last several days, this this is something that started in St. Louis. This was not something that happened once they left St. Louis on the road. As far as that initial exposure, they think someone had been exposed, ended up traveling with the team, and that exposed a lot of other people. It takes one guy. It takes one person, whether they were acting irresponsibly or if they just passed the wrong person in the grocery store, And this thing can all come crumbling down. And I guess my point and what I'm getting to as far as a question (laughs) is that there's a lot of talk that makes it sound like the Cardinals just acted in absolute negligence in regard to this. And I don't think that's really fair. I I don't think that because this outbreak happened, it means everyone was disregarding the safety of the guy across the dugout from them. Is that Am I being naive in trying to look at it from a perspective of this could have happened to anyone? It just happened to happen to the Cardinals? Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, with, with what we've seen so far, um, you know, in a, in a bunch of, uh, of different atmospheres, I, I, it doesn't seem like it was 
the the negligent side of things and you know this could have happened anywhere when you get and and that's that's the unfortunate thing with this now is you get one person who doesn't follow a protocol or you get one person who doesn't think that they're sick uh, because they haven't had any symptoms and they're you know they come in and and if you're not following the right social distancing or not wearing a mask or we've seen a bunch of high fives we've seen a bunch of uh hugs after home runs or after big outs or whatever it might be um and that's just what we see you know that that's not doesn't take into account what's going on in any team's you know clubhouse or or meeting rooms or anywhere else so um you know i I think this is something that happened to everybody Uh, unfortunately it's happened so far to the marlins and the cardinals and it's not been fun for either side's teams uh either side's social media uh followings or or any either side's uh fan bases uh and and most importantly you know for those players that have been uh, affected by this the the seven players and uh, a handful of other staff members or, or members of the traveling party um, for the Cardinals and, you know, upwards of, of 15 plus for the Marlins. You know, you, you hope that everybody is, is able to get what they need and, and is able to go take care of this and, and become healthy. Cause that's number one. We've already seen what has happened after testing positive for COVID to Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox, who now has a heart condition um, Mm -hmm. and and is out for the rest of the season and who knows how much longer. So, you know, that's the, that's the scenario we're hoping to avoid for all of these other players that are with and staff members that are with the Marlins, with the Cardinals, with the Phillies um, and and anybody else that's testing positive right now. And, and the NFL is going to see the same thing happen as they're opening camps now. and, And, and players are starting to go through the same thing. Things there, so um, yeah, I think it can happen to any team. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it's going to happen as well to, to somebody else now as they get going again. And maybe it's going to happen to an NFL team. And you got to keep in mind with the NFL, they got twice as many people. Um, yeah, you know, especially with <laughs> camp opening. You know, they're not traveling with just thirty players. Now they're not traveling at the at the moment, but they're in a camp with you know sixty to eighty people. Um, so. You know, we, we got to keep an eye out there. Hopefully they all follow protocols and do it right and, and nobody gets affected. Yeah, it's just crazy how quickly this can spiral out of control. And I before I move on, just want to say I bring up the conversation with Mo not to be like, ah, a conversation with Mo on Wednesday, <laughs> but to just say that the the things that I'm saying about what the team had done in order to prepare for this, that's not just me presuming that's not just something that I think happened that's what I was told right (laughs) so I only say that to to give a a source for that information no other reason but I I do think that instantly everybody wanted to know the names right and I think that there's some value in that I think there's there's some part of even if it is a big name right maybe that is what makes someone else take it seriously but I also think that most people want to know names so that they can point fingers, <laughs> not so that they can do anything beneficial with it. And so there was this big push for somebody to release names and reporters doing so prior to the players giving consent and that, that whole mess. I just, I don't know. I don't like the way all of this has gone down with, you know, reporting rumors as fact or telling people information that you weren't cleared to tell or whatever it is. I think this scenario brings out the absolute worst in people, whether it's fans or reporters, national or local or otherwise. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that, I, that's second nature, I think. But it's also very unfortunate that people want to know names so they can gossip. They can drag people through the mud and, and, uh, and play the gotcha game, which is, you know, unfortunately part of our society right now. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Like everybody was going out and trying to find people. Look, everybody was going back. I, who, who has time? I mean, I, I'm, I'm currently unemployed and I don't have time or maybe I just don't want to, but who has time to go sit through 20 people's Instagram pictures and try to figure out who was where, when, you know, like, like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone wants to be the person who figures it out. And the, person who figured it out or at least made it public was the Cardinals today announcing six of the seven names, which included Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung, uh, Fernandez, Whitley, Ravello, and Sosa were the others. There was one not named, but then later the players moving to the IL was announced, which included Carlos Martinez, did not include Rangel Ravello, which is an interesting twist there. We'll see how that develops as we get into hopefully games by Friday. And then it was just reported before we started recording that this was the second consecutive day with all negative test results for the Cardinals. So they will be able to finally leave Milwaukee tomorrow, barring some other snafu before then. It feels like this has been a lot longer than it really has been. But man, I can't imagine what the, not only the, adrenaline is going to be like trying to get back and ready to play, but also the pressure of making sure that this is where it stops because there's just, there's no margin for error with this. And, you know, two days of negative tests in a row is what the the protocol is and that's what they're following and they're not going to play till Friday, all of those things. But there's a lot of pressure to not get this wrong. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, they've been, they've been, you mentioned they've been stuck in Milwaukee. Not only have they been stuck in Milwaukee, but uh, I went to school in Milwaukee in the late nineties and they're stuck in a hotel that is widely uh, known to be one of the most haunted hotels in, uh, in the country, if not in the world and in the, the Fister hotel and in downtown Milwaukee. I mean, I, I went in there a handful of times, uh, for different kind of events and, uh, end of the year parties or whatever it might be for, for organizations on campus and um I, I was not i don't think i was ever in a room up there but the stories were being told about that place being haunted in you know 1996 and 1997 so i'm sure it's it's twice as bad now and they've all been <laughs> stuck there some of the videos um coming out of there were were pretty funny you know the the other days with jack flirty getting the mattress up on the bed for uh yeah. um you know a little throwing session and wainwright showing off his golf skills and uh stuff like that but yeah i mean they, you know they I'm, I'm sure they got food delivered in and, and all that stuff and had to had to leave their rooms for testing. But um, other than that, it's just, hey, hope you got some hope you got some good Wi-Fi and, uh, you know, able to watch some some other games or TV or whatever it might be. But that that's no fun at all. So hopefully able to, to get back to St. Louis here soon and, and start playing baseball and put this in the rearview mirror, just like the Marlins have been able to do, um, uh, you know, in their game. I think they're in Baltimore for, for this yeah. series, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I know they, they got, they got their first home run in what, like eight days. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, Cause they've only played three games. That was a joke the other day I, I saw on Twitter that, um, you know, it's, it's the, uh, 
the first time the Marlins have been in first place percentage points since uh, on percentage points in a long time in, in July or August. So, um, mm, yeah. you know, whatever it's been, <laughs> but they could, yeah, they, they could finish the year two and one and go to the playoffs with the six, six, seven uh, win. Percentage. Yep. There <laughs> so, you go. There you go. What a mess. I will say uh, two things about, about the hotel situation. I think perhaps the most telling despite Harrison Bader's, hotel room fashion show today um <laughs> despite that the most the most telling of the mood was austin gomber's photo out the window yes. that just said i wonder what it's like out yeah, there yes that was <laughs> that was good and, and we we had austin in 2015 and that is exactly his personality uh bader's fashion show is exactly his personality too which yep. i think everybody already knows so i don't need to talk <laughs> about that they were on the same team here in 2015 uh with that that team was loaded with with flaherty and uh with the young and, and and, and those guys and um uh, but that you know that was that's Gomber's personality he's got that like funny uh low low key funny um sense of humor where you know you're not expecting it and and he'll just come out with something um you know really good and and, and timely and funny and, and then you end up you know laughing your butt off so um I I thought that was, I thought that was a great great picture and a great caption yeah, yeah. I want to ask you more about Gomber, having watched him in Peoria, just on the pitching side in a minute. But I, you mentioned the haunted hotel. I did get one response on Twitter. I don't remember who it was from. And I have, you know, people have been responding to my painting because I'm a painter now. Uh, so I don't want to go back and try to find it from three days ago. But someone did say that Adam Wainwright and Jack Flaherty have been tweeting about like virtual games that they were playing. And someone said they're, they're really missing an opportunity if they don't utilize a ghost runner in these games. Oh, I did see that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I did. I did see that. Um, cause, cause yeah, Flaherty said something about, you know, being better than, than Joe Kelly who broke his, you know, living room right. window or whatever it yeah. was in the off season. Yeah. Somebody did, somebody did throw that in there about using a ghost runner and, uh, um, there was another. There was another ghost reference to ghost, some some kind of ghost batter for a simulated game. But yeah, that, yeah. That, that was pretty good. Yeah. Well, all things being equal, the Cardinals have been cleared to travel. They aim to play on Friday. Which, <laughs> welcome back. Go play the Cubs, right. who are on fire right now. Right. But nonetheless, they are going to be a few men down from what they started with as far as the pitching depth. Austin Gomber seemed like he was going to play a pretty significant role in the bullpen. I wanted to ask you about him, though, because when he was in Peoria, I remember watching him. A lot of people talked about him. He was kind of all the rage as far as, wow, this guy's going to be something really special. And he hasn't really been able to have that breakthrough moment as far as being looked at as a legitimate starter in the rotation every five days kind of guy at the major league level, he might get that chance because for whatever reason, Carlos Martinez is on the aisle now and there's a spot in the rotation. And, and obviously with the number of days off, that's all sort of jumbled right now, but he might get a shot to do something and make something of that opportunity. What do you remember from Austin Gomber? What have you seen since then? And if there was one thing that you feel like he could do to solidify his value to this team, what is it that he needs to to do with this opportunity he might have? Yeah, I, I think that, you know two things to keep in mind there. One is that this new IL when you see IL doesn't have a day um, right number to it. So. 
even though those guys are on the IL, they could very easily be activated and, and ready to go on Friday if they pass said tests. Um, we saw that with Joey Votto, who was on the IL for a, what one day, um, yeah. <laughs> and then came back and hit a home run, uh, you know, on, on Monday night for the Reds. So I, I, I think that that's one thing, um, you know, for, for Gomber, for us, um, you know, that, that 2015 season, was tough for any of the starting pitchers to, to really stand out. Cause we had, we had Jack Flaherty as our, as our opening day starter. Now he got hurt during that opening day game and then did not come back um, to Peoria until uh, the very end of May. So he missed whatever that is, six, seven weeks uh, of action, but then he came back and went right back into his spot in the rotation and ended up being, you know, fantastic throughout the entire year. Uh, we had uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon was in that rotation um, we had Luis Perdomo now with the San Diego Padres in that rotation. Um, and we had Austin Gomber in that rotation along with Matt Pierce, who set the Midwest league record for consecutive innings without issuing a walk, um, and had pretty darn good stuff. And Gomber started really slow for us, uh, cold weather, Florida boy, um, you know, and he started really slow, but wow, did he just explode after that? And he finished fifteen and three. Um, Flaherty and Gomber were our one-two punch into the playoffs as we swept King County, who had a better record than us in the first round. Um, you know, but he was really good. His, uh, you know, his, his velocity with us, uh, as far as his his fastball went, was great. Um, you know, he had a really good curveball for the Midwest league. Um, he had very good control of that curveball. Um, was able to fool a lot of hitters with it. Uh, and he, he threw strikes. Um, I, I don't remember the exact numbers on that, but, um, I know that his, you know, his, his strikeout to walk ratio for pretty much our entire, uh, r- rotation that year was fantastic. And I think that's the thing for him now, because when you see, not only Austin, but any of these young guys struggle at the major league level. It tends to come from them not throwing strikes. Yeah, he he had 140 strikeouts with us in 135 innings, and he walked 34. So that's almost a five to one. Opponents hit 196 against him, and he was he had our second best WHIP in franchise history for a starting pitcher at 0.97. So that's you know that's been that's what he did, and then. You know, you, you look in you look at twenty eighteen in St. Louis, he had thirty-two walks in seventy-five innings. So that's the same amount of walks in half of the innings, and his whip was one point five one. Um, you know, so that's where that struggle can happen with, with guys like that. We saw it we've seen it with Junior Fernandez. Uh, also when he struggles, it's cause he doesn't mm-hmm. throw strikes. And, and I yeah. think that's the thing for Austin. So, um, you know, whatever he's continued to improve on and to get better, his strikeout numbers are, are, are still pretty good. I mean, they're, they're not, um, at the major league level, they're, they're not at a one-to-one inning ratio, but everywhere else in the minor leagues, they have been throughout his entire career. Um, with more strikeouts than innings pitch. So really for him, it's just throwing strikes. But the key to that is getting repetition and, and getting consistent time. It's just like a hitter. You know, you, you ask a guy to go up there and, and take, you know, three at-bats a week, you know, then, then, <laughs> and, and yeah. you're going to be like, oh, well, that guy hit three 
320 in the minors how come he's hitting 180 in the majors well because he gets three at bats a week so it's the same and you say tyler o'neill right, right right you know and 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 there's a lot of examples you know of, of that and, and and guys that that have had that happen but it's the same for pitchers you know when you're used to being a starter it's a very big adjustment to them be, to become a long reliever to become a one inning guy and then bounce back to being a starter and, and obviously he had a, he had an injury last year with with only throwing in uh, you know a, a total of twelve games and not even hitting fifty innings between uh, you know Memphis and, and Springfield last year. So you know that that's a big spot, and, th- and then that starts to weigh on you mentally, and then that's when you see it snowball, and and you can see it from guys at, at our level. I'm sure it happens in the college game too, which I've not been a part of you know behind the scenes, um, you know, but but you see it happen at our level, and, and especially with the younger guys where they come to us and they're used to being the best pitcher or the best hitter on their high school and or college Mm -hmm. team. They've always been the number. They've always been batting three. They've always been batting four. Then they come to us and and, in a ball and they might be the sixth or seventh best offensive player on the team. They're batting eighth. Um, And some guys that gets between the ears and and they're like, wait, I've always hit third. I've always hit third. I've always hit fourth. Now I'm hitting eighth and they try to change their approach and it messes with everything. And I know that's one of the things um, that we've had a couple of hitting coaches um, and and even managers that that that's one of the things they tell them, look, do what you did that got you here. Do what you did in high school or college, because that's why we signed you. That's why we drafted you. That's why another team signed you, whatever it might be. Do what got you here. You know, you don't have to go up there and look to do this just because you're batting eighth and vice versa. You know, if just because you're put into the three spot doesn't mean you got to hit a home run every single time you come to the plate. Do <laughs> what got you here because that's what the team saw. And I think that's the same thing now. Um, you know, when you get to the major leagues, do what got you here and everything else will fall into. Obviously, you got to make adjustments. You got to be smart. You got to listen to. Um, you know, if you're a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, you get to listen to the best catcher um, that we've seen in a really, really long time calling the game. Do what he tells you to do. But do uh, it from six feet away. Yeah, right, right. Do, do it, from, it from six, do it from feet, six away. feet away. But, you know, <laughs> don't shake him off. Call, throw the pitches he wants. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, listen listen to the to the guys that are out there, whether it's your pitching coach, your hitting coach, whatever, and that's how you get better, you know. And it's, it's tough now, too, because – and, and I've seen this change happen in my, my 18 years in pro ball because now you get everybody in your ear. You know, everybody mm, yeah. everybody can talk to you now. When, when I started in, in Peoria, there, there wasn't Facebook. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't Instagram. Nobody could go on there and tell you that you sucked or go on there and tell you how good you were or go on there and tell you that you need to change your batting stance or your, your arm slot or whatever it might be. And now any Joe Schmo can go on there and tell you that. Like they know what they're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's coming at them from all angles, every single player out there. Um, I don't know how they sort through all that clutter and deal with it. I'm glad I don't have to. Uh, but, you know, I, I think repetition is the big thing for a guy like Austin Gomber, for a Daniel Ponce de Leon, uh, for a Junior Fernandez, a lot of these young pitchers that we saw come through Peoria. That's the big thing for them is repetition, 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 and um, just continue to improve. And when they get the opportunity and maybe one of those guys – We'll get said opportunity here over the next week. You got to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, we've definitely seen that from a couple of the guys, honestly, who've made it into the rotation in the last couple of years where they stepped up and took advantage of the opportunity that they had. That's one of my favorite things about the minor league 
process is watching those guys figure out, oh, I'm not the only one that's good here. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then learning from it. And the ones who learn from it are the ones who tend to become really great at what they do. I mean, we can talk about that with you know, Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman and the guys who are supposed to be good. Right. right? I I remember the first few games with Nolan Gorman, everybody was like, this guy's going to be up at the major league level next season. And then a lot of us (laughs) who've been around a while. We're like, okay, hold on. Reel it in. And and, and the two things there is, is then, you know, now, you know, you got guys like both of them who got to play for a team USA or who got to play for, um, you know, different showcases, but you talk about that. And then you think about what an advantage both mentally and preparation wise that it was for somebody like Jack Flaherty, who was in a high school team Mm -hmm. where he wasn't the best player. He was really, really good. Yeah. But there were guys on that team there were also drafted in the first round, just like he was. And there were guys on that team who were really, really good. And so he got mm-hmm. to experience that the whole way up. Whereas, you know, somebody who might come from, you know, not Harvard Westlake high school in the Los Angeles, California area, you know, somebody might come from, you know, I'll use, I'll use a perfect example going off of this too, with, with another guy who just made his major league debut, a former chief, Andrew Young was a second baseman for us mm, in 2017. Yeah. He's from Fargo, North Dakota. I think, he, I think what I saw the other day, he's the fourth player from North Dakota to make the major leagues. Um, not a big baseball town. I wouldn't right. imagine. So he's from Fargo, North Dakota. He played at Indiana State University, which is a very decent program, very good in the Missouri Valley, very consistent in the Missouri Valley, but it's not Vanderbilt or Florida or you know Arizona, whatever it might be. He got drafted in the 38th round, and he worked his way up, got traded obviously for Paul Goldschmidt, but worked his way up the St. Louis organization, then worked his way up the Arizona organization, was never on anybody's top 10 prospect list, uh, you know, until this, until this last year and just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. He was our double play partner with Tommy Edmond in Peoria in 2017. And now both of them and it, our opening day was Kisner catching Hicks pitching and those two, it, it uh, uh, middle infield. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty good, but that's the exact opposite example of, of Jack Flaherty and how there are multiple ways to get to the major leagues. And if you work your butt off, if you have a good mental approach, and if you listen to the smart people that the organizations have hired to help their people get to the major leagues, <laughs> you know, and it's not the same person for everybody. What I might think is a good hitting coach for me might be a bad hitting coach for you because we have different approaches and different, different, uh, you know, styles of, of playing and a different skill set. But, you know, you find your one person that works for you and you find the right mental approach and you, you know, work your butt off. There you are. And so, you know, we got to see Andrew Young. We got to see Cody Whitley make his major league debut was not a top ranked prospect at all. Uh, and, and there he is in the big leagues on the, on the same, uh, you know, rotation and roster with, with a bunch of first round draft picks. I would not be doing my audience right by having you on the show and not talking a bit about minor league baseball. <laughs> it's a rule. It has to happen, but you let into it so perfectly. It's like, we both do this for a living yeah, or we like did that, right? until yeah. three months ago. Um, <laughs> but I do want to ask you about that because one of the other pieces that, that John Mazalek mentioned to us last week was that what you do with minor league players this season 
is extraordinarily complicated because which prospects you add to the player pool has to be limited for fear of this exact situation. And you don't want to have to tap too deep into that player pool and put a guy who's never played above a ball right. <laughs> facing off against major league hitters. That's not a thing you want to do, but you have to get some of those guys experience or repetitions or at bats or instruction or whatever it is. So you want some of those guys in the mix, but you can't overdo it. But then you have a whole group of other players that are just getting nothing for this season. We often talk about minor league baseball, like any other level of baseball in terms of wins and losses. But you and I both know that that's not really the the driving force of a minor league season. <laughs> it's, it's practice and it's learning and it's, you know, getting your work in and it's it's all a part of the process and all those cliches that the the coaches and staff will throw at you. How hard is it going to be for some of these players to come back next season, hopefully, and not feel like they've lost a step or maybe get overlooked by the few guys who did get a chance to to still have eyeballs on them this summer? It's going to be really hard, um, especially not knowing how many minor league baseball teams there are going to be, how many affiliates teams are going to have, um, you know, what levels those teams are going to be at. The, I guess the good part is that the draft was only five rounds, so there's not a whole lot <laughs> of um, of players coming from below to take your job. You know, if you're, if you're a fringe guy or you're an older guy, um, you know, there aren't as many people as there normally would have been, because I I, I can tell you as a guy that's been in a clubhouse and on a bus on draft day, there are a whole lot of nervous players when they might be their third or fourth year in the system. Maybe it's their second year in Peoria. Maybe they're struggling a little bit and they play a position and they look up and on day two, the Cardinals took four guys at that position. You know, you get guys that get, or, or we, I saw it happen mm. with the Cubs when we were with that mm-hmm. the organization as well. You see guys that get really nervous when, you know, their position gets drafted in the first round or their position gets drafted multiple times, especially for the, the positions of specialization, like catcher, for example. Right. I mean, if you're a catcher and you already know that Yachty's at the top, if I use the Cardinals organization, you already know Yachty's at the top, so it's hard enough. And now you look down and the Cardinals take three catchers in the first 10 rounds, you're like, uh Oh, you know, now, now, now what, you know, now what do I got to do? Yeah. So to only have five rounds of the draft is probably a good thing for some of those players that are not the Nolan Gorman's and Dylan Carlson's of the world. Um, but the other part of it is exactly what you said. You know, they are going to lose a year and there's nothing that can be done about it. If they're not invited to the um, the 60-man the player pool and they're not in Springfield right now, um, or depending on what organizations are allowed and able to do in the fall, um, you know, there, there's been talks of having a Florida fall league like there is an Arizona fall league so that the teams that are based in Florida don't have to send their players out to Arizona and, and have them travel again. Uh, who knows if that will happen? Um, there's been talk of, of teams having a – uh, some kind of extra camp, um, you know, whether it's uh, not really a prospect camp because you already got your prospects in a camp, but a, a next year, whether or not that happens, I'm definitely not the right person to say that. But, you know, those are just things that, that all of us have read on on blogs or on, on social media from, you know, baseball writers. And, and um, 
but otherwise, if you're sitting at home, if you're a guy that was drafted in the 21st round in 2018 and maybe you played in Peoria and Palm Beach last year and had a pretty good year and you thought you were going to go to Springfield this year, whether you started in Palm Beach or you started in Springfield and now you lose this entire year and uh, you know nobody from the organization has been able to see you play anywhere, it's tough. I mean, I, I follow quite a few of our former players, and, and you see a bunch of them doing anything from, uh, you know, hitting in the backyard or, or throwing against a wall, um, you know, or, or hitting in some kind of batting cage, giving lessons to, to, to youngsters because, let's face it, we've all talked about the minor league money before, which is a whole other mm-hmm. probably hour-long podcast yeah. discussion. But We'll do that another time. But these guys <laughs> need to get – they need to do other things uh, like you and I do right now as well, but they need Mm -hmm. to do other things to make money. Um, Some of them are fortunate to be, uh, you know, living with mom and dad still or or whatever, but some of them aren't. And some of them are married and some of them have kids and they need to get out there and teach lessons. And and they're losing a year. Now I know, um, you know, depending on the organization up and down major league baseball, some of them are are getting paid through the end of the year. Some of them are getting paid through, um, through the end of August. So, um, you know, I, I think it was baseball America had that list the other day of what teams are paying how long, um, you know, so that's a good thing, but, as far as their play on the field goes, there's unfortunately nothing that can be done about that. They're going to lose out until they either get to spring training next year. Hopefully they were able to motivate themselves and stay in shape and, um, you know, improve and all that good stuff. But I, I guess the one good thing is that everybody's in the same boat. So it's not like, yeah. it's not like Marlins and Phillies minor leaguers were playing and pirates and Cardinals minor leaguers weren't, you know, so the, you know, they're all in the same boat. To, and if they, I, I've heard this, be, I've heard this be told, by many a many veteran coach um, and many a many veteran manager, not all 30 major league teams have to like you. One major league team has yeah, to like that's you. that's true. So if you get cut by the Cardinals, you get cut by the Giants, you get cut by the Cubs, there are 29 other teams and you only need to get one of those 29 teams to like you and you still got a shot to make it to the major leagues. And and that's a that's a big part of of what these guys are doing. So when they come back, whether it's with St. Louis, it's with Chicago, it's with Cincinnati, you know, they got to give their best shot and keep going until somebody takes that uniform away from them and, you know, tells them like, Hey, you know, you can't do this anymore. Um, and, 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 and that's what they, that's what they got to do. Always a struggle, even more of a struggle when the whole world is, <laughs> is struggling. <laughs> which is uh, just sort of how 2020 is going at this point. It will be interesting to see what roster moves are made, of course, because of the players who will not be available as they await negative COVID tests. But also the roster is slimming down in the next couple of days. I just saw that it will go from 30 to 28. And then rather than trimming to 26 later on, it will at this point stay at 28 for the remainder of the season. So there is that. There are a few more spots that will continue to be available, which at this point seems like a good thing, (laughs) considering how quickly teams uh, keep losing players, whether it is to COVID or just to injuries, which we didn't even talk about because the Cardinals haven't been playing, so that's not super relevant to them outside of Miles Michaelis. But (laughs) give us another week, and, and who knows? Who knows how many players you might have to dig deep into that player pool. That will all be happening. Hopefully, we are watching a healthy St. Louis Cardinals team play the Chicago Cubs this weekend, which, again, sounds terrifying based on the way the Cubs have been playing 
as of late. But, you know, I guess some baseball is better than no baseball. Although I was thinking about that today. Let me we'll we'll wrap this up with this question. And I'm going to to severely disappoint all of you because without Alex being on the show, I completely forgot about the chirp of the week. So Nathan, unless you have just some random factoid from your years with the with the Chiefs or otherwise, we'll just skip over it. I'll give you a minute like, to think like, about like it. Like a random factoid for a city that I've gone to. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but let me let me uh, ask you this one question first. As a Cardinals fan, watching the Cubs continue to play and play well, is it worse for the Cardinals to not be playing? And to watch the Cubs keep being good or for both teams to be playing and the Cardinals to just be bad? <laughs> the, the, well, anytime the Cubs is good, it's bad, um, especially <laughs> for me because I live in I live more in an area where there's a lot uh-huh. of Cubs fans and I have some that are friends and some that are family. Um, so, you know, I, I can't avoid it like I would like to. Um but I, I no, not playing and having them having them be good and us not even playing is is just awful. Yeah, you know, like at least if we, if it, you know, th- there there have been years where not many of them, but there have been years where the Cubs have been good and the Cardinals have been bad, um, and and we've you know we've all survived that, but um, <laughs> just not you know having everybody else enjoy baseball and we're not that's that's worse. Yeah, that that is where I think I landed today too. But when I'm watching on Friday and getting very frustrated with the game, I might change my mind. I might think, you know, it wasn't so bad. At least the Cardinals didn't, they weren't losing. They just weren't playing. I don't know. We'll find out. Okay, so normally this is the part of the show where Alex does a chirp of the week, which is sometimes a fact from history. Sometimes it is a story that he found interesting. I am very bad at it, so I completely forgot about it until literally just now when I was trying to wrap up the show. So unless you have some fun fact you'd like to share... Uh, we'll just call it a yeah, day. I can, I can, I got you. So, uh, okay, I'm, right. I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with the Midwest league. Um, the Cedar Rapids Colonel stadium, um, right off of it is Kurt Warner drive. Cause Kurt Warner is from, uh, Cedar Rapids obviously has a St. Mm-hmm. Louis connection. Um, and Zach Johnson, who is one, I think two masters. I'm not a golf person, so I might've just totally butchered that. Um, but he is also from Cedar Rapids. Uh, and so there's, um, like the crossroad right right through there. And, and it's like an honorary drive. So like if you look it up on the map, it says whatever the official address name is. Um, but I have I have done many a cigar walk around um, Veterans Memorial Stadium there in Cedar Rapids and, and taken a picture of the Kurt Warner Drive sign um, that, it, that is right there. So that's, uh, that's number one. And the bonus one is if you ever get the chance – Go to Appleton, Wisconsin. Their stadium is awesome. They tailgate like you wouldn't believe um, outside of that ballpark before a game, and it's 25 minutes from Green Bay. So you can go up there and get a Lambeau Field tour um, or check out downtown Green Bay on the Fox River and all the cool stuff that's up there, and you can get a minor league baseball game in on the same trip. And I haven't actually been to it, but I think it's only like an hour from the Wisconsin Dells too. So, you know, you can work in a whole family. Usually we're doing baseball baseball stuff on the weekends in the summer. So I'm not that that's not so much me. Um, but I, I know many of people that have gone up to the Dells and you drive right past the uh, Timber Rattler Stadium because it's on the highway. Um, so you you can see it as you drive by it. So it's it's one of my favorite places to go in this league. And uh, so I, I, I gave you a St. Louis connection there with Kurt Warner on Cedar Rapids and and then just a fun tip on somewhere to go for for Appleton. 
there you go. You got to listen to these guys who live and breathe minor league baseball because they've been to all these places. They know the ones you don't want to go to. <laughs> they also know the ones that are pretty great. And I can confirm I've been to Appleton. It's a great stadium. It's a cool place. Uh, I've watched mostly high school baseball there right, for, right. for uh, uh, Wisconsin State Tournament. But nonetheless, cool place to watch a game. Uh, Wisconsin Dells, now that you have all the time to spare, still not a place you want to go because that sounds like a very bad <laughs> idea right now. So It does. And there's not a stadium in the world that I would not want to go to tomorrow to call a game. I'll tell you that right now. For anything that I've ever said about any, about any stadium or any sports venue that I've ever been to, whether it's like Tropicana Field or, you know, anything else, smaller i mean i would go watch a high school game with like you know no bleachers if i was you know getting it, not even getting paid to call it just getting to go out there and call a game like i don't even need bleachers or a press box right now like just let's stand just go, yeah let's just, just go stand, and do it, like right? on the third baseline right. and right. Call if, somebody, a game. if somebody wants to pay me to do it even better but like i just want to you know like I, I i i joked with one of my buddies who's who was doing a coach pitch with his daughter's softball team i was like do you guys need an announcer because i'm bored out of my mind and i'll come announce the heck out of that you know seven-year-old girls coach pitch softball and I may have I may have made that same offer to a few people I, uh, over the last couple yeah, weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I, whatever it takes to get doing something, I'm in. Oh, man. Well, hopefully we'll at least get some baseball to watch for Cardinals fans this week. And, uh, you know, then cross our fingers and, and hope from there. Nathan, right. it's been a lot of fun. I feel like we could talk, especially about minor oh, league could. baseball forever. <laughs> but we will leave that for another time. And thanks for, uh, you know, coming in clutch with the, the chirp of the week for me. Absolutely. It's what I can do. And uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, there you go. Hopefully we're talking about actual baseball next week. And I think I've said that for the last seven episodes in a row. So who knows? Maybe it'll actually happen this time. Alex will presumably be back with me next week, barring any unforeseen circumstances there. And we will bring it to you, whatever it is we have to bring. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you're following on Twitter. You can follow Nathan on the Twitters as well and get all the good information about uh, whatever it is, whenever it is, he is able to do things in the baseball world again. You can follow him at NBeliva, and I will have that in the show notes as well. You can follow, of course, Birds on the Black, and I'm at Tara Wellman. So for Nathan, I'm Tara. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time.